Hi, and welcome to the Goodman Podcast, the show where we deep dive into the technological advancements shaping our world. I'm Megan Darcy, and joining me as always is AI expert Raj Goodman Anand. And in today's episode, we're exploring a topic that's been at the forefront of tech news and stirring up considerable de uh, debate, uh, chat GPT and its wide ranging impacts. So the title of the episode today is Doomsday Unleashed, Chat GPT's terrifying ascendancy uh, might swallow the global services marketplace. And um, when Sashin sent me the topic, I did have to have a giggle at the clickbaitiness of the uh, of the title. But uh, honestly, Raj, it's not far from the truth, is it? Uh well, it's kind of funny because if you look at ChatGPT last year, and as last year, I'm talking about 2022, uh, whether someone went off the CE role or you know was on the CE path, we didn't care about it. But suddenly, it's become so important for all of us that it is a, it's a big deal. Um, so, so yes, thank you for bringing this up. I think it's very exciting to see what what the opportunity is. But um, yes, so I think the thing you're referring to with the turmoil in OpenAI is the the brief departure of Sam Altman. Uh, just to be reinstated uh, you know, shortly in the following week. And for people, when they see this podcast, this might be news or this might be obviously all news. But either way, I think there are lots of really interesting bits to it. Number one, which I thought was really interesting as a, a leader and CEO and founder, how much somebody cares about the founder and CEO. So much so that they're all going to resign, or at least 97% people are going to resign if they don't reinstate the CEO and founder. It shows the power of a person and his or her vision to not only kickstart the company to keep growing it and further kickstart the whole economy around AI. So Sam's actual presence is a very important part for all of us. I was, I was really disappointed as well when I heard about Sam's disappearance from the role, but uh, luckily it was very short and uh, we could actually get back to um, to having him back again after he was going to be in Microsoft for a little bit and, and then he, was, he wasn't. What's interesting also is why he was being asked to leave. And there are speculations of all kinds. The one which I thought was really interesting is there was a discovery of a thing called QSTAR at, at OpenAI. So we were talking about this thing called QSTAR. Many believe it is AGI, which has been developed within OpenAI. And because of the nature of OpenAI, which is around not-for-profit and the structures there to remove all Sam Altman was a possibility by the board. Obviously, it's a little di different and difficult when you are looking at different uh, company formation types. But I think all of this brought a very interesting scenario. And I feel like this has changed quite a bit, uh, the dynamic. I think going forward, it might change the structure of OpenAI because with the way such right now, probably it doesn't make sense for a company that's so important for us with $90 billion, I believe, of, of, of market cap. So it is interesting. A lot of things happened there. I'm really interested in, in the QSTAR thing, the AGI thing, because if that's happened already, we are up for something really big in the next version of OpenAI. 
That's amazing. Um, how how have these internal ch uh, kind of challenges at OpenAI impacted the development and management of ChatGPT, and um, how is that impacting the kind of wider market of people that are using um, OpenAI's products? As far as I can tell, there hasn't been much changes. To be honest with you, there hasn't been anything which I can notice. They're still releasing stuff as they were releasing before, and the updates coming in. There were discussions about slowing down OpenAI's growth, but we have not seen anything yet publicly to kind of mention about it. Either way, this is really interesting. Yeah, the whole thing is really, really interesting. I'll, I'll just, you know, keeping my eyes peeled to see the latest news from them. Okay, cool. Now, um, obviously, I don't know if maybe you want to dive into the um, the kind of broad market impact that ChatGPT has had um, on the business world, because it's uh, when AI started becoming a thing, um, a lot of people in the creative industry were like, AI is for automation. And um, so creative jobs are, at that stage, they were kind of safe. But ChatGPT has turned all of that on its head because, as we've discussed before in other episodes, uh, while it still needs human uh, intervention and human oversight to ensure that the creativity is there, um, it is now being used in the creative fields. And, uh, you know, it has already kind of made certain jobs redundant kind of overnight. I mean, uh, transcribing service. Uh, uh, to a to a certain degree, translation services. Although I, I think that that's still in the in its infancy, but you know it's it's already impacting jobs in the service sector. So, um, what, how is it impacting the kind of broader social uh, landscape, if you will? So, Megan, the impact of OpenAI AI in general is has already been widespread. As you were talking about in the creative industry, I read somewhere that 80% of people and 10% of the jobs have been impacted already by OpenAI, and half the companies in the US are already using OpenAI or AI, and 90% more or 90% overall will be using it in a very short time. And everybody's looking to expand their usage of tools like OpenAI, ChatGPT because they see the, the impact of it. So the impact is all across, not only just creative industries, so every sector will, be, will see the impact of it. But this is not all doom and misery. It's not like this is the end of humanity or this is the end of jobs. Mm. I've seen this before as well. This is more a job displacement. And we have to think about what happens next. Let me give you an example. At some point, all the movie industries, for example, had very basic level graphic design, very elementary level. To produce a movie, which is like VHS quality, took a lot of effort. You need a whole crew of people. Fast forward now, we have a camera person doing all the filming, and that's sufficient. Does that mean the movie industry is, is completely over or finished? I think it's the opposite. Actually, more people have been able to use a video production to really kickstart that and grow it further to the, to the level that now we have people who are YouTubers who, who are going to have billion dollar companies, billion dollar companies. It's actually made more accessible for people and the production has gone up. 
giving them movie opportunities who before could not be part of film production at all. So the the main thing that is going to happen is we will displace jobs and we have to reskill people to then come this new opportunity in production of content of types. The most important part of here is education in what's coming next because the, the growth of change, the rate of change has gone exponential. So if we, if we don't keep on the pulse, we can lose the next growth opportunity. And that arbitrage could be big. That delta could be big because within a few days, you can launch something new and that might make someone's job redundant, but also make the job easier as well. So it just depends upon how you consider it. In my opinion, it will create more jobs. And what's going to happen, which is a big, big, big change is the value or the income of people will go up. Let me give you an example. Back in the day, in most countries, people were agricultural people. Farming was the main job. But farming, if you look at it as a job category, is a very low-income category, which is some of the other service-based industries, for example. Over the years, as we take away these sort of basic income jobs or entry-level jobs, they've actually been able to push the income of people up and make them more valuable. So what AI will do for us is to make all our lives better and more valuable and help displace our jobs, something more efficient and more valuable as a, as a whole, helping us live a better life, hopefully more fulfilling life. Okay, now on the back of that, I've got two kind of follow-up questions. The, uh, well, I suppose it's a, a question with a sub-question. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about reskilling. So um, where do you start reskilling? Is you know because everyone's like, oh well, we'll just we'll just reskill. And I, I I suppose that um, if you're using AI tools and you're getting used to the way they work and how you can integrate them into your processes, you have a, a fairly better understanding of where you can start reskilling. But a lot of people are still kind of at that arm's length, like AI is here to take over my job. So in order for them to reskill, I think, you know, where, where do they start? What's the starting point? Because you, we don't quite know where um, AI is going yet. So you run the risk of reskilling in the wrong direction and still being redundant because something is going to be taken over. And then the second the kind of sub question for that is uh, it's easy for highly skilled people that are already using the technology to reskill. But I mean, we're sitting with a problem, um, especially in developing countries where there's a very low to no skill level. Uh, I mean, here in South Africa, for example, the unemployment rate is sitting at 35%. We are still, um, a majority of the capital is controlled by something like 15% of the, the population. Um, education is a problem. Um, we don't have the necessary infrastructure. So, and, and we're not alone. There are many countries in the world like this. So um, where, where do those people start uh, reskilling? Because those are the traditional, you know, low income um, being replaced by machinery in farming type of people. So th that's kind of uh, my question is, where do you reskill? As a, as opposed as a high tech person, and where, how does this impact from a responsible AI and ethical use perspective, reskilling the 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 lower 
the low and no skilled part of the population? It's actually a great question, Megan. And a lot of the answer of this thing has to be guesswork, but hopefully educated guesswork on what's happening. If you look at the trajectory of some of the biggest historical events or empires which have been around, if you look at those, and I think of two right now, one is the Industrial Revolution, which is well documented and you know well is recent compared to some of the very very historic events. And and number two, which is well documented and made a big impact, is the Roman Empire, for example. Look at both these things; they have very sort of very similar attributes in many ways. In the times of Industrial Revolution, things changed rapidly because from artisans working from villages and homes we moved to an economy which was in big towns and big cities we moved into factories to increase production and if you look at what has the internet brought to our lives is the decoupling of that it's in the break you know letting loose of getting out from the homes of sorry the factories and the offices back to people's homes COVID actually also help increase that acceleration of the process where people start to work from home. They were still working from home, said, well, why am, why am I at home in the city? Let me just move to somewhere quieter and better, better family life in the UK, for example. Many people I know move from London, which is the, the hub of all the business and industry, to towns which are on seaside, for example, which is far away, it takes about two hours to get to London, or maybe even three hours sometimes, and they're happy with that because they, they don't need to go to the office all the time. So there's a decoupling happening. AI, if anything else, has actually allowed us to even go through that change even more rapidly. And with power becoming cheaper in the coming years, with nuclear coming, nuclear power coming in, solar power to continue to grow, we will see a time where power will be cheap, Intelligence, which is required to run things at home, whether it's smart machines or smart fridges or, or just life, it'll be accessible and available easily. We have, we'll have internet available easily, as in even different countries are, you know, South Africa has also improved their broadband quite a bit compared to, the, say, 10 years back. So things are definitely improving. What will that lead to? Well, what that lead to is the power from superpower countries, super, you know, these nations which are developed, will go to a democratized way across the world. So if you have the the will to work hard, you have the you have the ability to learn um, online. You can grow from any nation. You don't have to be anymore in New York, in California, in London. You can work from wherever you are. You can work in a more freelance way of working, which is now what is happening at scale even in the US, UK, across the world. And with the power of AI, you can actually start to see these super companies, you know, super enterprises, which are smaller in nation, or smaller in nature, but massive impact. What I feel is really important is to form clusters. Clustering is really important to really allocating and adapting or forming a, a cluster with other people in the same sphere, sphere as it were, be really important. 10,000 people, 1,000 people to build a large company, 
your sphere, which is a loose sphere, which doesn't have to be a employee employee relationship, it could be a freelance contract relationship, can become a very powerful unit. And together, the company, the organization, the sphere can achieve big ambitions, big objectives. I think that's what's really interesting. So to summarize that one, people will start to live more in villages, uh, out from the cities, and even the world, you'll be able to achieve big results. And number three, there'll be loose clusters or spheres of influence, which will be, doesn't have to be thousands of people, smaller, but very impactful using AI and other technology around that, uh, alongside that. Okay. Um, now, obviously, that's kind of looking at where to uh, direct your attention in terms of where to reskill. How can people actually use AI to reskill themselves? Because at the end of the day, it's, um, it's a great tool for information purpose and research purpose. So um, how, how would you suggest people actually using AI um, or, and, and tools like ChatGPT to help them reskill? Um, uh, I would assume that that is possible. Um, I am, um, uh, let, let me put it this way, I'm a content writer. Um, I've integrated ChatGPT into my um, into my writing process, so ideas generation is a lot faster. Um, creating base text is a lot faster. Um, remixing text to, for rewrites is a lot faster. So my output has increased. Um, so I'm I'm using ChatGPT in my processes um, to to kind of and I suppose that is reskilling itself. But is there another way that people can use, um, I mean, not everybody has got uh, access to the paid version of ChatGPT, for example. They, they, they still rely on the, the, free, the free version, which is not as powerful. Um, there are other tools as well. So how, how would you suggest actually looking at AI to help you reskill in the right direction? The first and most important part to kind of mention here is that some fundamental things in life remain the same. And one thing I'll say about that is that to understand what should change or what to learn at what pivotal time still requires people around us. For example, four or five years back, I joined an organization called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, which is, a, which is one of the, the world's premier entrepreneur network for 19,000 plus members. And the, the top thing which EO does for me is to help me prioritize what I should learn and what I shouldn't. And for that to happen, EO is great because surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs who are either virtually or in person, who are talking about well, what's happening in the market today, how does it impact us? Well, you read this book, that knowledge, this talk, that is the most important part for prioritization, and that requires real people. So surrounding ourselves with the right people or the right source of knowledge is really important. So if, we, if for example, we don't have paid version of ChatGPT, initially it's okay. But at some point we need to think about, well, is it worth the time or not? It's like, you know, if you're a painter, you don't have a paintbrush, well, how do you paint? You have, you have to invest a little bit into into one's sort of tools as it were and this is just the, the cost of doing business effectively so to really be able to prioritize things and what's changing and what to learn and where to learn 
when you surround ourselves with people who understand them in the market. There's also a plug for us as well. Obviously, if you are interested in AI, <laughs> you follow our YouTube channel. Uh, it's, yeah. it's good Midland, and if you search that, you can subscribe there because we're talking about the AI revolution. And I was sitting before this call, I'm helping more and more companies now to think about how do you think AI first? That mindset requires a lot of thinking, a lot of understanding, and really deep thinking because things are happening today, but what might happen tomorrow might be a, a massive change. So how do you predict it? So people like me are just thinking about this all the time. So, you know, what I'd say is just constantly keep learning about it because the moment you miss the pulse on this action, something can change rapidly. What was possible last year is not possible today. You can't, you know, you can't sell uh, high, you can't sell low quality cont content with dramatic mistakes anymore because ChatGPT can do that for you. So why not use ChatGPT for instance? So there is a lot of things happening, but keep on top of these things, keep learning, surround yourself with people who understand the subject. So if I'm understanding the the kind of the, the reskilling as well as um, the what we've just been talking about, you've mentioned a sphere of influence as well as like a, a, a loose sphere of influence and, and an organization of like-minded people. Um, networking really is the the key to reskilling because uh, I suppose you're exposing yourself to various people that um, uh, not necessarily think the same as you, but they're all interested in the same thing. And so it's easier to bounce ideas and spot opportunities that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, networking, not in the sense that when we go to a network event, we have a beer and we talk, talk to people rubbish mm. over the evening. That's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not interesting for me at all. In fact, I, I despise that sort of stuff. But why, what I find really interesting is getting the right kind of people. You know, some people I talk to on a monthly basis, some people who are my accountability group, but I kind of go and kind of talk to them and they keep me accountable to achieve my goals. That sort of stuff is really interesting. But again, the one sure shot way to be a billionaire is to surround yourself with billionaires. Same thing, one sure shot way to gain intelligence in AI is to surround people who understand AI really well. It's the same principle which applies to any type of learning, for example. So, you know, today in this world where we are based across the world, there's YouTube, which is great, but there's also a, if, you know, there is a case to go and attend events as well face-to-face -face because maybe the event itself is not that powerful but the people you network with will tell you what's interesting what's not and they'll keep talking the same thing again and again you're like okay that's interesting that book should i should definitely read for instance mm -hmm. that's what i think is, is important again the hustle the uh, work to put in it has to happen from us and if you put the right work in and start with the right people i, I believe you can really quickly achieve intelligence on what's happening next um now intelligence on what's happening next that's a good segue into my next question because there's a lot of kind of myths and misconceptions about what chat gpt can do and um i think that uh, a lot of them have found uh, kind of a foothold in the market or in in uh, the service industry psyche because it has had such a big impact in such a short time already so um I think maybe let's try and separate the fear from the facts uh, in terms of ChatGPT's influence. What are some common misconceptions about ChatGPT's capabilities? Well, let me start by saying this. 
ChatGPT is not the only tool, there are other tools as well. ChatGPT is just constantly investing a lot more and launching stuff at, at in a very quick pace. So the other tools as well, in the past we talked about Anthropic, we talked about um, about Pi and talked about Claude and everything, all the other tools, the other tools as well, who might make it big, uh, who might change the, the ecosystem, we, we still have to see, but ChatGPT does have a very good shout to win that race as it were. Tools like ChatGPT and AI are going to add about $4.4 trillion uh, to the economy, is what I read recently. So there is a, a case of big impact being made. $4.4 trillion is not a small number. It's not a billion, it's much more than, 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 than a billion. And so that's this big number. It will change basically everything that we, we know. But these tools cannot do everything. There is still a case of expertise, and there will be new forms of expertise required in the coming years. I was giving an example of VHS quality content production to now you know, 4K and 8K quality, for example. As we move from the grainy, slow VHS quality to 8K quality content, the roles and responsibilities of people also change. And we add more people to the the mix who can do high level, high quality content production. In the case, of, in this case, movies. There's other examples as well of different types of, of production of content or production of anything else. There will be there is a change right now on AI being able to pick out opportunities from large set of data. It, there is a, a, an opportunity right now to mimic people's voices, to take, for example, style guides and create images, designs for, for you. But this still requires to be somebody who needs to prompt this. That, but that when I say prompted, what I mean to say is someone needs to like be able to clearly state what you require to create from tools like ChatGPT. And then somebody you can do the quality assurance at the end of it to make sure current production just happened is good. And leaving an example of which Jajibri has failed me recently. Friday, Friday evening, I I went out with a few friends and we got a we got a bill uh, you know, at the end. And I thought, okay, well, let me just ask ChatGPT a picture of that of that of that bill by ChatGPT. And I said, Well, uh, Mel, that was one of my friends, she paid five thousand as a deposit. So I'm like, okay, well, that was paid already, ChatGPT, so remove that. But I assumed that that was a donation made by, by, by Mel. I didn't include that. So I ended up paying 5000 more than I should have really paid. Now, it was a small error, but it's my fault. I didn't do the QA at the end of the day, and it cost me, you know, a how much more? $100 more than I really should have paid. Who's at fault here? It's, it's only me. We, we can rely on ChatGPT and tools like ChatGPT to do things for us. It does make calculation, calculation much easier in the case of bill splitting, but there still needs to be a case of proof, proofreading, quality assurance, and making sure that content you got out of ChatGPT is correct. The data which you get from ChatGPT is correct. If it's not, you know, at the end of the day, that, that is our, 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 our challenge. So this is the same for production in anything. They're using for intelligence, making graphs, making images, making whatever you're making. You have to make sure that there is some sort of, uh, of 
taking place. If you don't, you can lose money as well. Yeah. Now, building on the back of that, obviously information is power um, and, and knowledge, knowledge is power. Um, so I think that we need to educate ourselves more um, about what these tools can do. Um, but, you know, there's, the internet is really a cesspool of random information. Some of it's true, some of it's not. So how can we differentiate between irrational fears and legitimate concerns regarding the functionality of ChatGPT? Especially, I mean, recently it's, uh, it's come out with a whole bunch of new functionality. You can even build your own GPT. Um, now, and I was playing around with that earlier. And um, yeah, I mean, people talk about prompt engineering to build your own GPT. That's a whole different type of prompt engineering. And what I was trying to create did not come out the way I had imagined it in my mind. So, um, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going a little bit off track here. Essentially, my question is, um, how, how do you sift the fact from the fiction in terms of the impact that these GPT models and large language models and, and AI in general can have on um, on society as a whole. Exactly, great question, Megan. And unfortunately, there's, there's no quick pill-sized answer for, for this. For example, the GPT thing you just mentioned, which uh, people often call it like a mini chatbot or a chatbot. For me, a GPT, which is a new functionality in OpenAI, is a mini application. One can program a mini application using just English as a language and no programming required. And it creates something very powerful. In the last few weeks, I've created some very powerful GPTs which can change a lot in the space which I operate in. So I feel there's a lot to be done in GPTs, for example. But now, if you hear this, perhaps you'll be tempted to go and try out this again and say, well, there's an opportunity here. But the reality of this is that there's requirement of constant learning in this space. There is no shortcut at all, and this is possible. And yes, there's a, there's a cesspool in terms of information on AI. That's, that can be said about everything. In fact, if you look at, you know, one thing I've been really interested in the last few years is health and wellness. There's so much information and so much garbage out there about health and wellness, how to lose weight. And there are probably about 10,000, 100,000 videos on maybe a million videos on that. Each, you know, each one down is talk about a new framework, a new process, a new diet. At the end of the day, what really is important to lose weight is to, you know, have more calorie burn and eat less. That's what it comes down to. That's why it's, it's, it's just simple mathematics. So knowing what's right, what is really important comes down to just cause of learning and the experimentation. Finding a tool, the real opportunity in that tool is to apply it to our circumstances. And that takes a particular kind of skill. And so this brings us to the point you made earlier about losing jobs and new jobs. There will be several new positions in application of AI in our business. I feel there will be an opportunity for several consultants to come into the space. How do you use AI for your business? How to make you AI first in your mindset and as a business? That for me is a no-brainer. And it's a huge opportunity. I think a lot of this $4.4 trillion might go towards 
people are talking and thinking about this this space. And as tools like ChatGPT and OpenAI keep building and launching new tools, the opportunities get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the time is now to use that knowledge and skill, gain quickly enough, implement it. The more we practice, the more we work out in the gym, the more we build our muscle. Similarly, the more we work with AI, the more we build our AI muscle and use that to build better process procedures to help make our life easy, more effective, and a better, healthier life. Yeah, yeah. Now, to kind of link this back to the uh, the clickbaity title of Doomsday Unleashed, um, I mean, there are, and there are proven um, uh, reasons and, and challenges that, that about the negative impact of uh, technology like ChatGPT. So, um, again, we, we've spoken about regulation before, and I think like an overarching global regulation is still a while away because, you know, bureaucracy, as soon as you get politicians involved in anything, it slows down the process. So what measures should um, should people be taking to mitigate the potential negative impact of ChatGPT's widespread use? Um, and I, I'm, I'm not speaking necessarily just about regulation, because like I say, regulation could be years in the making before it actually becomes um, public policy. But uh, I don't know if you've got any ideas on um, or, or thoughts um, on on where we can start to kind of mitigate these these negative impacts. Well, a big part of this lies with the people who are working on these tools and who will be implementing this within their own organization. The training part, you know, what content is used to prepare and train things, for example, how do you source that content, for instance, all those come into picture. And as a company, as an organization, as an entity, people who are building these tools need to be ethical about their approach to how they source the content, how they source the information, and how they use it. Then, for very powerful models, how do we make sure that these are used by the right people? Because ChatGPT is a very democratic tool, it's available on the internet. But 20 USD, the tool is yours. Use the APIs. There will be bad actors who will be using it. There's no doubt about it. And they will use it for different purposes. Some of them will be very negative. But in my experience, that's just 0.3% of the population. 99.7% people are very keen to use it for the right purpose. So, you know, that will happen. There will be more cybersecurity issues because now the chances of hacking are even more than before. They will be abused by people using the wrong purpose in terms of you know, data, data production uh, for the malicious purposes. That will happen. But then uh, jobs of companies also is to produce tools and services to mitigate those challenges. That will happen. But this is an endless cycle. With everything you launch, create, there will be negative impacts of it as well. You will just find a way to find the right approach to it. All in all, I feel AI has much more to add to take away. So yes, the clickbait title does sound like it's doomsday, but it's doomsday only if you don't ethically launch and properly launch these different tools and make available when they're safe. There's a lot of effort been put 
in the background, for example, in ChatGPT, to make it safe to launch. For example, there are a lot of questions which you can't answer. For example, which, which are going to cause harm to human life or humanity or planet Earth, that sort of stuff. It will, those questions are not answered at all. Also, for example, we use ChatGPT and Dolly 3 to create images of people, real people. It won't do that for you. All these small bits of features which are put into tools like OpenAI to protect the users and other people to be misused. But there will be people who will be using open source models from Facebook, for instance, doing that stuff, for instance. Again, there's not much we can do about it. There will be the 0.3% people who will misuse it. So we have to just be clever and create options to mitigate those, those risks. All in all, I don't think it's actually a, the end of human humankind. Jobs will be lost. The new jobs will be created. Overall, human beings are going to earn more. And they will be more free, have more time to be healthy and happier, spend time more time with friends and family. So it's going to be a good thing. But mm. it'll take time. There will be, in the short term, more losses. And then overall, it will be a net positive. Yeah. Um, that is a great, I don't know if you have another 60-second takeaway, but that, that was a great 60-second takeaway, that people shouldn't panic. Um, that, uh, you know, ChatGPT and other generative AI tools create—they've uh, they've created massive opportunity that can be seized upon to uh, to make your job and your life better. So, um, all this kind of doomsday um, talk—it—it's it, only one side of the coin. Um, you need to look at the other side as well and and find the opportunity. I really agree with you. I've, I feel it, it'll take time, and people see something new they get scared they get they get they get petrified it's normal human, human behavior but all, all in all i feel there's a big opportunity with ai and open ai and the tools like ai it would just keep ourselves in the know because we're learning and it will help us in a better life 100 percent of job losses it would just allow ourselves to jump over that obstacle to gain a better success overall Thank you, Roj, uh, as always, for your invaluable insights and perspectives. Um, and it's clear that as we move forward, adaption, education, informed discussion will be key in navigating these kind of very transformative times. Um, remember to check out our other episodes on the Goodman Podcast for more discussions on AI and its impact on our lives and business and content marketing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and uh, join us next time for another deep dive into the technologies that are shaping our future. Um, thanks, Raj. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. Like this, man. Like. <laughs>